This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Jackson's there, Billy Dead. The goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome to episode 186 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. And what a week we've had. More departures... Barry Sheerthouse popping his head above the parapet to remind us that he did something for the town 30 years ago and the shade from Big Kevin Nagel. In reply, plenty to keep our minds of what was a dire week of performances on the pitch for Huddersfield Town. I'm Matt Shaw and here to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear are my knights of blue and white satin. They are Johnny Gillespie and Tom Bradshaw. How are you doing, guys? Very well, thank you. Yeah, not Excellent. too bad, Matt. Good to be good to be on the main pod. Good to cross over once in a while, isn't it? Yeah, love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Right, okay, so as you will be aware by now, this episode and all episodes of Andy Takes That Chance are sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. If you use our code of AHTTC10, you will be able to use um, that to get 10% off all online orders at www.magicrockbrewing.com. Brewing.com and check them out on match day as well at the uh, tap room at Berkby because you will find somebody like Tom milling round if he's up in the north getting absolutely slaughtered and singing songs at the top of his voice. It's a sight to behold. Right. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Huddersfield Town. I cannot wait to get into this one. Uh, first <laughs> off, I want to appreciate the grind and the graft of the Huddersfield Town Media Department for managing to get nine minutes 27 of highlights out of this game. So hats off to the hard workers in the town media department. And they are 
in, in all seriousness, very good at what they do. But this wasn't one for uh, for the purists. But uh, why always us, eh? I'm sure everyone sacks their manager, don't they, at the bottom uh, before we play them and they expect a result. And again, Sheffield Wednesday bulleted uh, Shisko Munoz and uh, in came Neil Thompson, or stayed Neil Thompson as the uh, caretaker. And I think that kind of maybe galvanised Sheffield Wednesday fans a little bit, made the atmosphere less toxic than normal and maybe added a layer upon the match as to what uh, Darren Moore's return will have done as well. And let's gloss over this uh, as best we can, but um, where do we start with it, really? A bit of a monstrosity, I guess, of a game. A town lined up 3-4-1-2, um, and I just felt that as much as Darren Moore, he got right last week. This week, he's probably given him more to think about, I would imagine. Uh, Sorba Thomas has one huge strength for us, which is going down the outside and putting crosses into the box. Playing him as a central 10 negates that ability to do that. So that didn't really work for me with Sorba behind uh, the front two, although I could understand why he's tried it and why he tried him up front against Birmingham. Um, neither did it work for me either having Tom Edwards as a right wing back. Uh, Edwards' pace and fitness is probably questionable for that role. And I don't really think he's able to provide the outlet that we needed. Although I did love his interview afterwards, though. He seems like a really top bloke, does Tom Edwards, and definitely one to have a pint with, I think. Uh, so maybe you could get him down at Radnor Park one day, Tom. You know, that would probably be a, be a laugh, wouldn't he? Um, like I say, he struggled in, in attack. Defensively, did okay. But just as a wing-back, it's a, it's a, it's a job for a, a fit, fast guy, isn't it? And uh, it's probably not what you would describe Tom Edwards as, to be fair. Um, I just felt that those two changes meant that we probably weren't as fluid as we were the week before. And I can understand the Sorba thing, maybe not wanting to play him as a wing-back away from home as well. I think there's maybe an element of protectionism there. Although people will argue Sheffield Wednesday were bottom and not won all season. Uh, and but and again, you added that, Johnny, as well. And if that is the case, it's probably something that needs addressing as well in the, in the next window. But tactically, um, just... Not quite there for me. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah, um, I, I'd, I'd agree with you when you're pointing around Sober Thomas. I think, okay, away from home, you're going to sort of slightly differently, differently than you would do um, at home. But I think, I'm surprised that, I wouldn't say negative is probably too strong a word, but I'm surprised he didn't kind of set up a little bit more attackingly. We've seen how we can set up from an attacking perspective. And we've seen how we can bring a few more players who are a little bit more reserved within their positions, like, for example, Edwards being a, a good example of that. Um, but I think, A, there's a little bit more spice in it because surely Darmo wants to get the three points from a personal level. Um, I know he's a professional manager and he probably I mean, put his personal differences aside, but I'm sure he, he had extra desire, as we all saw with Warnock, when every week we played one of his ex-clubs, they always seemed to get a result. Um, but yeah, I think, I just think there was a stark lack of kind of real any emphasis or looking to, to, to really kind of go for it. And I, I don't know whether we were a bit more reserved or this is how Darren Moore looks to play away from home because we've, we've obviously got the points in previous games away from home, apart from obviously Birmingham. Um, but yeah, it just felt, it just felt a little bit of an odd occasion. The quality was was not there at all. Um, There's only one shot on target all game. It seemed quite slow. I don't know. There's a little bit of being brought down to their level. I know it's not a chasm level between Huddersfield or Sheffield Wednesday in the table, but things that just seem to kind of be stick a little bit slicker just didn't seem to be there. Um, and I, I can to me. 
it's fair enough for Darren Moore to be trying things out, like say looking to put Sober in Tem and and kind of I guess we'll be able to judge Darren Moore on, on what he learns from that and then how he changes the team going going forward, certainly post international break. But yeah, it, it 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 kind of if you look at Darren Moore's tenure, I think that result kind of poses more questions than it does answers really um, about what a Darren Moore team will look like and then what his kind of tactical approach will be because it it wasn't it wasn't uh, fantastic. Tom, do you think there's do you think Huddersfield Town are trying to pass the ball too much? I know everybody wants to play passing football, but Neil Warnock was pretty much quite direct. I know we could play when we needed to, but we we tended to play in the areas where we wanted to rather than you know play play through the thirds as such. We'd maybe go from the first to the final third, and and everybody would kind of swarm forward and and then play in their half if we won the ball. And it just feels like maybe we don't have the ability to pass through the thirds. I mean, you look at the back. Uh, Josh Ruffles has done decent at left centre-back. I, th- I quite like him there. But you've got him, Hellick, Pearson. There's no, you know, they're all decent defenders, but there's no Ronald Koeman there. And then in midfield, Jonathan Hogg's not the most progressive passer, although he was decent last week against Ipswich. Jack Radoni's final third entries um, isn't probably what he would like it to be yet. I mean, the first and second third is excellent, but, you know, final third... So is it maybe just a case of, um, or maybe it's just a case of a bad day at the office and we're overanalyzing it, but do you think maybe they're just trying to pass the ball a bit too much through the pitch rather than maybe uh, going a bit more direct like a, a Warnock side would and, and that would get the best out of the players? Yeah, maybe. I mean, out of these four games now, I feel like the most successful passages of play we've seen from this kind of squad of players that we've got um, I feel like that second half against Coventry, we were very direct using the wings. There was a lot of good movement down the wings, like you mentioned, Sorber Thomas um, and Josh Cromer. I think in that game, it was it just seemed like we picked that ball up and then it was like, right, get it wide. And we were halfway up the pitch already. And then I feel like Ipswich was a bit more like that. I mean, every game's felt different, so I don't know if like he's kind of playing it like pre-season almost, Matt. But yeah, Saturday was, it was such a weird game, wasn't it? When you look at the stats, it's it's mad how sat through 90 minutes of that and literally both teams, it was almost under 10 shots, wasn't it? Uh, it was, I think we had seven and they had five. Something like and then they had one on target, we didn't. It was such a poor game of football like but maybe we just cancelled each other out too much it was really scrappy in the middle wasn't it um didn't mm. get anywhere. so maybe it it needed that it needed to be a bit more direct than it was um i feel like when we did get into those really good areas is when we moved the ball quick i was i like bergzog but i feel like sometimes he holds it up a bit too much up there there's a few times where he gets that ball and he's got those options out wide and i He's just maybe trying to do a bit too much and it's just releasing it a bit earlier, moving that ball on quicker potentially. Let's skim through the chances that we had. So in terms of those chances, there's, there's like you say, a few and far between. Karoma perhaps should score when he lobs the keeper and it goes wide. Dawson, who was a bit flappy for most of the game, wasn't he? came out and didn't really get a decent punch. Karoma uh, should he score potentially? Um, Hellick gets a toe on a set piece from Sauber Thomas from wide and that was it first half absolutely it I think they had a deflected shot which was never going in uh, second half 
to be fair, Patterson misses a bit of a sitter, doesn't he, from the corner, which he should score. And, you know, that probably levels up the chance that Karoma had as well. Um, then really nothing happens until the disallowed goal at the end. And in real time, it looks incredibly soft. Uh, the keeper appears to be quite soft in coming for the ball as well. Um, and the, But when you slow it down, you can see Tom Lee's arm go across his face and you kind of think, okay, that, that's why the referee's given it. And it's understandable why the referee would give it if there's an arm across the keeper's face because they get given up and down the country every week, whether you agree with it or not. Um, it, in the letter of the law, it's a foul, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you watch it from behind the goal, there looks very little in it at all. But from the side on, it looks a bit more like maybe Lees has impeded him. I, 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 I'm not mad about it. I, I think maybe he's kind of just, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. I would probably say more times than not, you don't get it. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not crying hard done by Tom here. It's just one of those things. I think when, you know, if it happened against us, we'd probably be saying the same thing. Wouldn't we? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I mean, I, um, I watched it on iPlayer, so I didn't get to go up there, but from the, as soon as it kind of happened, that that's what I saw. It's that angle. It was like, if he's, not giving this it's because of that elbow like you said it's he's ju- it it's a weird one isn't it because it naturally you probably do jump like that if you're going up for you're challenging a goalkeeper who's, who's obviously got that advantage with the hands up in the air so Lees is putting as much in as possible to get up there um he doesn't really contact him but from where the ref stood he's seen it and probably thought right there's an elbow out there it's a great finish from Harrop Paul lad would have been <laughs> um yeah would have been his first goal, wouldn't it, um, this season? So uh, first league goal, yeah. yeah. First league goal, yeah. Um, so I I agree with it. I mean, did we even deserve it? Really, anyway, it's one of those, isn't it? It'd have been a bit of a, a snatching snatching three points if we'd have got it. To be honest, um, yeah. What about you, Johnny? I think me and Tom are kind of saying, yeah, fair enough. Uh, is it you going to round it up? Yeah, very, very similar. I mean, I was just whilst you were both talking there, I think the reason why I wasn't kind of too upset or irate is because what Thomas just said there, from a very pragmatic point of view, I, I didn't think we deserved the three points. I, I didn't feel it was too unjust. I think from Tommy's perspective, it's it's a classic argument, which we'll have, I mean, like I say, week, week in, week out. <laughs> the country, players, got, players got to jump. Um, I've seen a few people say, obviously, the, the keeper's coming out to him rather than him more backing into the keeper, which I guess if you were Tom Lee, you're kind of thinking, well, I'm in my space. I'm kind of not not as a sharp elbow, but my arm's up there, okay. The keeper's kind of put himself in that position. I've won the ball and it's gone in the back of the net. But as we know in modern day football, those things get given. Um, and if it was the other way around, Nichols would probably be claiming for a free kick and we'd, we'd probably get it. So yeah, yeah not, not too, don't feel too um, hard done by really. No, I think the only people hard done by were the uh, 3,200-ish away fans who, well, who went to the game. And and to be honest, these things happen, don't they? Um, you know, there's no guarantee of quality when you buy your ticket, is there? It's just, you you know, it's a, a bit of a raffle, if you like, whether you get us an absolute classic like the 4-all where Jordan Rhodes gets all four or you get, um, a less, let's let's say, a... Uh, Less than a classic uh, today. Let's not be too. I unkind. guess if I guess at five thousand pound ticket though, it's slightly uh, harder to. <laughs> yeah, thirty three quid. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's um, yeah, and and that's a different 
like a conversation not, altogether, not, isn't not it? Not cheap but, and cheerful by any stretch, I don't think. No, again. no, absolutely not. But I tell you what, we'll do. Let's let's go to our cohorts from Sheffield Wednesday, the Wednesday Till I Die podcast, and we and I got the views of James Mappin, who is the host of that, uh, to get the angle from uh, the Hillsborough end. Certainly not a spectacle. Um, I think, to be honest, as well. Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield are going to be down near the bottom come the end of the season. Um, I think Huddersfield were probably one of the worst sides that's been to Hillsborough this season so far. Um, yeah, you can see that you're really lacking that cutting edge up front. Um, I know you had a few chances, but a lot went begging. Um, got in some good areas, but you know just that final final cross into the box just wasn't there for you. Um, in regards to the, the disallowed goal, I thought it was harsh at first. I've watched it back. Sometimes they get given, sometimes they don't. With that referee, who he was an absolute shocking referee. By, by the way, um, I thought some of the decisions that he gave were ludicrous. To be honest, not just for us as well. I think, you know, there were twice where Patterson went down in our box. He gave a free kick straight away. Gregory went down, you know, halfway into our half. Again, gave a gave a free kick. Neither with free kicks to be honest and he bought it every single time uh, every time the ball went in the box he gave a free kick to the other team um, yeah it was just a really really stop start game which I thought the referee ruined it to be perfectly honest um, yeah, it was a weird one for us as well manager being sacked in midweek uh, got Neil Thompson in I thought you know the performance was a lot better than what it has been in recent weeks, which just show, goes to show how bad it's actually been since Cisco took charge at the start of the season. So, yeah, it's a, it's a point for us. Um, we needed all three playing teams that are down near the bottom that when you're struggling. You know, they are six-pointers, and uh, I think we, we, we missed a, a real chance, to be honest. Uh, we had a couple of chances. I think Patterson perhaps should have done better with the one from six yards out, and, and Smith, how he didn't put his head on on that cross from uh, from Volks, I'm, I'll never know. Um, how he scored 20 goals last season is is still a mystery to me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, a really poor game all around. Not one I'm going to be rushing back to watch. Um, and yeah, we just uh, move on. It would have been nice to you know to get a win against Darren Moore's side. Obviously, on his first return to Hillsborough, but it is what it is. There you go. Sounds like James had as much fun as we did, and. I don't think there's too much to agree with, um, or disagree with, sorry, uh, with what he said. It was crap, and I think James saw it the same way, so there we go. Do you um, know what, Matt? Matt, what I, what I found really interesting, what James just said about about the referee, and he was giving so many free kicks, and I, I know we said the game was rubbish, but it was so stop-start, wasn't it? There was a point where... I just threw my hands up in there thinking, why are you do? You, there's so many little stupid free kicks that you didn't need to give. And yeah. it just ruined any flow of the game kind of taking off. And it's amazing how much that kind of dictates a game sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Like I say, I, I can't really argue too much with, from my vantage point of what, what he did. Um, I didn't think he was great. Uh, it, it perhaps just it just penalised a lot of soft things, but he did it both ways. Yeah. Like James said, he did it both ways, didn't he? So he was at least he was consistent. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it's worse, isn't it, when they give everything to one side, or it feels like it is. So yeah. So let's let's pick up a couple of uh, topics. Really, um, what are your thoughts on people going after Darren Moore already online? For me, it seems way too harsh. I know I didn't enjoy 
the Birmingham game at all. I thought the Birmingham game was every bit as bad as a Fotheringham performance um, or what we saw under Fotheringham and Danny Schofield last season. Um, and I didn't think much of the Sheffield Wednesday game, but he's not really been here two weeks. Is it two weeks he's really been here? Um, I mean, Neil Warnock had a good first game and lost the next two 4-0, didn't he? Admittedly, against the champions and playoff finalists. But I just think, you know, there needs to be an element of patience. I, I don't, I think this is always the case, isn't it? When when something's not broken, I think in the minds of a lot of Huddersfield fans, it wasn't broken. and So therefore there was no need to fix it kind of thing. So we've taken out a decent manager in Neil Warnock. I understand that why they've wanted to make the change. I thought it was a bit soon, if I'm honest, but the, on the flip side, it gives Darren Moore more time this season to implement what he wants to do. And he's obviously trying to get his point across quite early and it's it's going to take a little bit of time. Huh? So I think it's it's strange to see people calling, you know, calling for, there were people genuinely calling for his head. And I know people just like to sound off after a frustrating game, don't they? And, and, it, and, it's, and it's empty and it probably means nothing, but, it, it, you know, I think people perhaps just need to allow themselves to be frustrated. It's okay to be frustrated, but in context, it's probably going to happen for a little bit. Um, and there's a big game against QPR coming up, which we can't really afford to lose at this stage because there is, there are sort of four or five candidates for the bottom. And at the minute, we're one of them. So, you know, we need to push ourselves up the table. But for me, a little bit harsh and it's going to take a bit of time. What do you reckon? I think I think there's a few moving pieces with this. I think um, I saw someone put on on Twitter. If you look at um, Warnock's first first few games this season, obviously he's a loss, loss, draw, loss. He's had a full preseason. Um, just obviously talking this season, not last season. Um, and when we had Warnock, and there was a few people, I mean, within our little um, communication channel, um, not naming names, who who kind of made the point that. If it wasn't Warnock's name above the door, um, would fan opinion be a little bit different on who whose name was above the door? I mean, who was managing the team? Yeah, cause I think. <laughs> but I think it's a little bit of a classic case of that, isn't it? Um, I mean, that, that's one that's one element of it. But I think Warnock quite quite rightly earns that bit of respect, that bit of okay. Do you know I mean keep your powder dry yeah. kind of situation um, amongst fans? Um, it's the other thing with, with more that he's a man after the man. So, I mean, it was going to be a little bit of a tough gig. Whoever picked up that mantle um, added to that was the club's probably a little bit of a, a PR situation where they kind of said, we found the man who's going to take us forward and he's just become available. That probably didn't help either, um, which mm-hmm. I think plays into a little bit. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it, again, it's quite cliche now, isn't it? But he does need to be given time. Um, we know the squad quality is towards the lower end of the table we're aware of that um, the improvements weren't made in the window none of those two factors have anything to do with, with Darren Moore um, equally he, he hasn't had a lot of time in training field he's had away midweek away games um, which haven't helped either with time to mean to put his his ideas across um, he does now have a two week window of time we've only got I think four players that will leave on international duty um, a couple of them aren't necessarily kind of first teamers week in week out as well so it, it's quite fortunate he's got that bit of time straight leading to what is a, now a massive game against QPR who are one of those teams that we will be up against to, to go down it is like James said from Sheffield Wednesday from their perspective last Saturday a home game that's a six point so that's what we've got this Saturday we didn't lose our six points last week 
Um, but we can't afford to get anything really other than a, a win this week. So I think in regards to Darren Moore, the jury is out. It's not been a fantastic start, but I think there's there's good reasons as to why um, it hasn't been. But it's like with anything, you will need to start getting points quickly and, and a ball draw against Wednesday and a defeat at QPR isn't the right way it's going to win, win back anybody who's probably not very happy as we sit here right now, to be honest. What do you think he needs to do, Tom, during the international break as well? Um, for me, it's just a case of sitting down with the analysts and trying to understand or trying to get to understand the players as much as possible and and really their limitations as well as their you know abilities, if you like. Um, because I think what Neil Warnock did, and I hate to go constantly, he's going to get compared to Neil Warnock all season, isn't he? But yeah. what he did was he effectively played to our strengths, didn't he? Which is essentially putting the ball in the box from set pieces or open play and getting getting enough bodies in there. And effectively, that's us giving the ball to Sauber Thomas and letting him cross the ball, isn't it? Um, and really, that's probably going to be the plan through to January when we, where we really need to strengthen the squad to avoid being sucked into uh, something we don't want to. Um, so for me, it's, that's, it's quite as simple as that. I don't know how you think or if there's anything else you think that maybe... He could do, you know, maybe there's a trialist he could look at. Maybe there's all sorts of different things, perhaps, that I haven't thought about, Tom. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. I'd like to see a a pretty a consist. I'd like to see like a base of a formation forming kind of something there. And I think I think he has used these four games to try out a little bit what he what players can do. Um, so after this international break, I'd like to think, right, this is it going forward. This is what he thinks this squad is capable of putting together a decent little run or something. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, it's, what is it? It's two weeks, isn't it? I mean, if we had four games in two weeks, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a short amount of time he's got. He's now got this week where he can just be on the training pitch and get to know like Johnny says, only a couple going out really, so really get to know this squad. Um, and uh, yeah, have, have a look at what Warnock was doing really. I mean, it's no shame in it, is there? If, if, if it was working in some of those games, you've like you've got to take those strengths and kind of move forward with those for now until he kind of gets in those players that he wants to play his system with. Because like you said, Matt, there's, there's certain players in this squad and there's a certain way that we play successfully and if you're trying too much uh, you're going to struggle mm-hmm. I don't think you've got I don't think there's anything to add really Johnny is there unless I think maybe a couple of behind closed doors friendlies that you can get to know other players well enough I mean a couple of the fringe ones uh, Pat Jones will be out with Wales under 21s won't he in Utah's away I can't remember the other ones that have been called has DR been called up I can't remember I'd, I haven't even looked to, to be honest and, and good luck to them who've gone out but yeah it's, it's essentially just trying to work out the best way to go forward, like Tom said. And he does seem to like the back three. It's just what's in front of it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Like I say, well, the, the test will be what we come out with um, if we can get a bit more of a formula, if you can get a bit of understanding about the players that he's got, the resources that he's got. Like like Tom says, we were we were getting results. Um, and obviously Darren Moore is his own man. But um, like I said, there's no shame looking at what's worked for that score before. Um I think Darren Moore's got to have a plan to try and keep keep collecting points nice and steadily until till January. There's 
been small little little sounds that there might be some money to be spent in in January. Um, we'll we'll keep the I mean the jury's out on that one, but certainly for him, the see I mean, there's a, there's a, he's got what he's got until then, and whether he kind of looks to kind of see a couple of players that he might not be aware of because they've been in and out of the team, or they kind of sat a little bit kind of more on the on the periphery of the first team squad that he might want to bring through. Um, I know he's I know he's quite keen on developing players. That's one of the things the club mentioned when they hired him. Um, that's one of the things they looked at in Darren Moore's kind of CV was his ability to develop players. So maybe he's got a bit of time to look at that as well. Um, we're, we're quite aware of the younger players at the squad in the team, sorry, because they've been part of the squad and had to be part of the squad just just due to kind of bodies at the moment. So I don't think it's going to be any unhidden gems in that sense. But I mean, maybe a bit more of a different kind of viewpoint from from their progression might might help um, coming from Darren Moore as opposed to Warnock. And, and I guess international breaks are, are a good time to to do that. Right, so if you thought you had it tough this week, then spare a thought for Tom Hutchinson. Who is Tom Hutchinson, I hear you ask? Well, he is the poor chap who put his hand up to say, I'll do the away day audio log this week. And he went to both Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday. And we've got a bit of a combined... So we've got a bit of a combined away day log here. Um, And Tom picks up the story on his way to Birmingham. Good evening, Matt. Good evening, listeners to the podcast. Um, just on the way to Birmingham now. Uh, we're about 40 minutes away. Uh, just in the team news. He's made a few changes. Um, big game on Saturday, so I can kind of see why he's resting a few. I assume Hogg's injured after Saturday. Um, looks quite defensive, but I can see he's going for a point today, to be honest. Um, I think another point away in the road will be a good result. Uh, I think Birmingham will probably expect to win, so I reckon if we can keep them to nil-nil for as long as possible, and then maybe nick one in the end, uh, that would be great. Um, yeah, my ETA is 7.37, and I still need to pick up my tickets and find parking, so hopefully I'll make it. Um, you'll find out in about five seconds. Right, we're in, we're ten minutes late, and we've missed the first goal. Um, yeah, the, the, the shout wasn't too loud, so I wasn't sure if it was Huddersfield, but check my phone and it is Birmingham, up the town. That's 2-0 Birmingham. Um, unfortunately, I was in the stadium to see that goal. Pearson's been megged uh, on the wing. Their players through, a bit of a scramble in the middle, and then he's coming in the back post and smashed it into the roof of the net. I can't see he's coming back from this now. All right, final score, Birmingham City 4, Huddersfield Town 1. Sorry, Matt, I've been a bit useless. I missed the last two goals. (laughs) We left on 85th minute just to skip the traffic and get home. So I can't really talk about them. Um, Yeah, second half wasn't much better. You can't believe it's the same side that we watched on Saturday. Completely shambles from defence to attack. Fair enough, he tried to change it at half-time, brought a few subs on, but they didn't really do anything. Um, Individually, were pretty poor today. Uh, Just makes Saturday a massive game now. Um, I'm confident we can bounce back. It's a big game, they'll be up for it, especially with Darren Moore. So, we'll see. Up the town. Good afternoon all, back again. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Huddersfield Town today. 20 past two, we're at the ground, we're a bit more organised this week. Uh, Team news is out, Hogs back on the sides. Which I'm pleased about. We think we really missed having Tuesday night. Uh, Chrome is in, Edwards is in. Yeah, I quite like the lineup because I was trying to freshen it up. Uh, I think some of the ideas that we tried to implement on Tuesday kind of didn't work, so we went back to basics. 
Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, they've just swapped the manager, so it's a classic Huddersfield Town timing, really. Playing the same when they just changed the manager. Hoping we don't concede an early goal, because I think if we do, the Sheffield crowd will really get behind the team. Um, I know I said this last week, but if we keep it to nil-nil for a while, and maybe nick one later on, that'd be great. I am expecting a win, but I don't think we'll do it easy. So, yeah, I'll see you all on the ground. Half-time score, Sheffield Wednesday nil, Huddersfield Town nil. It's not been a great half football, to be honest. We've had some set pieces in some good positions, but we've either hit the wall or it's come to nothing. Uh, they've been all right. I've not been worried about them getting a goal, but they've definitely had the ball in some good areas. I think in open play, they look a bit better than us. Uh, going forward, Berg's always been decent, to be fair. Um, he's looked lively. Just needs to get him the ball. Rodoni as well. He's made some good runs forwards. But we just lack that cutting edge in the final thirds. Uh, second half, shooting our way. Uh, I'd take a nil-nil at half-time if we get a couple in the second half and the shooting our way. Let's see what happens up the town. 60 minutes in, still nil-nil. He's making a couple of changes. I think Keen Arrow's coming on and Ben Wiles. Uh, yeah, again, not being great stuff from town, but we've got 20 minutes just to get something. Come on, team. Final score, Sheffield Wednesday nil, Huddersfield Town nil. Yeah, that was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, the second half wasn't any better than the first. I don't know what it is, but in that final third, we have absolutely nothing. We look scared to shoot. Passes just aren't falling to feet. If we got a goal then, it would have been a lucky tap-in. Um, yeah, it's just not good enough, really. Last two games have been so disappointing, especially after last Saturday. Um, I don't know what's happened, but international break now gives them a couple of weeks on the training pitch. Darren Moore can get his message across a bit better, I hope. Uh, QPR next at home, I think, and I've seen, seen QPR lost 4-0 today. So, yeah, I would not be surprised to see Ainsworth lose his job, which doesn't make things any easier when we play them next. But, yeah, we'll see on that one. Not much else to say. Uh, individually, pretty poor. Don't think anyone. Defence, Helic had a good game. Pearson was all right. But attacking-wise, yeah, absolutely nothing. Very poor. Very disappointing. Um, yeah, two very average games. And sorry, lads, it's going to be a pretty depressing podcast, I think, you have to do on Sunday. Um, nevertheless, we go again. Uh, two home games coming up. So, hopefully, things pick up after that. We'll see. Thanks, everyone. Oh, Tom. Have we, have we checked oh, if Tom's all right? Oh, <laughs> Has anyone it. heard from Tom? Absolutely <laughs> loved the start of that. It was like, oh, yeah, going to like, the ground late. I don't know who's... Oh, town are losing. Up the town. <laughs> really, when it said, oh, Brilliant. we've got to keep it nil-nil for as long as possible. And it scored before it even got into the ground. It's amazing. You can't write stuff like that. Yeah, um, Yeah, stuff. I think... What we'll do now is we'll take a very swift break and we'll be back in a moment. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. 
there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, so uh, we are back. Uh, Johnny, Tom and myself, Matt, uh, in the box seat this week. Uh, right, so let's change tack now. So we've had enough football, haven't we? So let's talk a little bit of politics, maybe. Uh, yeah, obviously, very, very... Not the, mo- not the most fun thing to talk about. So let's have some fun first. And, and Barry Shearman has, has popped back up and... And uh, I'm not a massive fan of Barry Shearman, as long-time listeners may recall. I'm not anti-Labour by any means at all, uh, by any means. I'm just not overly fond of politicians who live way out of the area, parachuting themselves in every blue moon to show their face, because I feel like a local MP should live and breathe the town and understand everything that's going on within the town. And he doesn't. And, you know, uh, so for me, I'm not the biggest fan in the world but however that's that's by the by and I thought do you know what every time he pops up we should think about having a Barry Shearman klaxon and uh, you know we've got the Josh Karoma Conch and the, the Barry Shearman one and the only thing I could come up with uh, was this if he wants to be the big dog Barry <laughs> that is that is Hulk Hogan who has obviously never seen a dog in his life uh, because dog, dogs don't tend to go Baru but we'll, t- we'll talk about Baru Shearman um, Hulk Hogan I've never seen a dog brother but we'll we'll go to Barry Shearman so the reason why we talk about Barry Shearman is because he has popped up on social media with a tweet and um, his tweet said can I remind the owners of Huddersfield Town Football Club that when I persuaded the chairman of ICI to provide the land for the new stadium, the gift was specifically for the people of Huddersfield and Kirkley's council was to be the custodian with no private beneficiaries. And, I mean, that's understandable why he would, why he would say that. Um, and there's probably many reasons why he's done this and done this in public rather than pick up a phone to Kevin Nagel or, or whatnot. And uh, Kevin Nagel responded. Um, it does seem that it's mostly in response to Kirkley's active leisure struggling and pulling out of the stadium. And uh, Kevin Nagel has advised on social media that he'll see what he can do. So I think Barry's maybe getting in on social media and sort of saying, okay, if you buy it, then don't rip the people of Huddersfield off, etc." Um, but anyway, Kevin replied with, we will be assessing the matter at hand. Continuous deficits on the Cal side year over year, a lack of adequate capital investment, into the Huddersfield pool and its related structures. A refusal to invest capital into the stadium as a 40% owner, inadequate maintenance of the infrastructure and surrounding stadium, and quickly abandoning a constituency that has been served, that has been served for many years. Still, I'm optimistic there is a win-win-win solution if we use our common sense and think about our community. Uh, I mean, everybody's sort of gathering around Kevin and saying Kevin's owned Barry, etc., haven't they, on there? But maybe Barry's a, a slyer old devil than uh, than what he um, than what he appears because he's pulled Kevin Nagel out into the open with this hasn't he uh, and he's forced a, a response and he's forced Kevin Nagel to sort of speak about it which 
I'm sure they would have rather have done privately. Um, so why is this going on? And the reason why this is going on is because Kirkley's council are imposing cuts across various local services to address a large budget deficit. To this end, it has launched a public consultation over the future of leisure centres. The council has confirmed only Huddersfield Leisure Centre and Spen Valley Leisure Centre at Clackheaton are safe, with all other Kirkley's active leisure sites at risk of closure. The council's consultation also stated that Cal will be legally withdrawing as the operator of the Stadium Health and Fitness Club. As a result, the council is seeking a private operator. I mean, that private operator could be Kevin Nagel or he could look for someone else to fill that gap. However, the sort of worry I have with this is if Kirkley's active leisure and their thousands of members across the entire business can't make it work, then a single site which will have severe overheads because it's heating a swimming pool 24-7 amongst other things and absolutely huge energy prices, etc. at the minute, probably don't make this an incredibly attractive option at the moment. Um, it's... It's one thing that this has been played out in public, Johnny, um, but there, there seems to be kind of a, a lot of politic and a moving pieces on the chessboard in place here, doesn't there? And I think there's probably more going on and, and more that we're unaware of. And I think Kevin Nagel has also thrown in the hand grenade that KSDL effectively haven't run the stadium. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but he's sort of saying or insinuating that KSDL haven't really took the maintenance of the stadium over the last 25 years. And there are now bits and pieces falling apart and it needs circa 10 million of, of repairs in there, which as the operator and as the people that run the stadium, they should have been footing. But on the other hand, Uddersfield town have probably benefited from relatively low rental agreements as well. So it hasn't made a lot of money, but has it not made money because KSDL didn't have anything going on there for a, circa 15 years or so? Um, you know, it's there's a lot really and a lot to that we can unpack in this episode and we may look into this a bit, bit deeper for next week. But what do you make of it, Johnny? Let's let's just come to you first. I know you've got a smile on your face. You're a man who loves the gym. You know, your social media pictures <laughs> below that. You sat there in your tiny white underpants at the minute, which I mean, everyone can't see. If, <laughs> Flexing. I've had, I've had a long day, but we'll leave that there. I mean, I guess there's not a lot that qualifies me to kind of answer this question. Really. I guess it's one of those where it's a little bit of a, of a spat, for want of a better phrase, probably probably a bit too strong um, on Twitter. Well, we've had, we've had three chairmen that have tried. Um, two have failed. I mean, one kind of ran out of time. The other one kind of gave up on trying to kind of change the ownership dynamic of, of the stadium. Um, whether that, I mean, whether Nagel will be the man who, who does it, whether that's based on timing, because obviously I think um, the, the rope that KDSL or KSDL got is is getting shorter and shorter. Um, and obviously Nagel does have desires to improve um, not just the stadium, but the whole match experience. Um, whether he does something with, with the pool and, and the fitness centre is part of the stadium. So I guess it's, do you retain it how it is? Do you look to kind of move it into something else? Do you look to split it out? Um, I think council pools aren't necessarily as, as attractive as independent gyms and different things like that. Could you look to kind of, I know you, I, I get your point that if it's not worked, um, 
as a Kirkley's actually leisure gym, would you want to take it on? You're probably not going to make a lot of profit for the football club, but I mean, there's a lot of gyms that are quite successful that kind of operate in a different way and look a little bit different to, to council pools and council gyms. So could he go down that dynamic or did he look to side off a bit of space and, and get that kind of match day um, arena that he's in, he's interested in um, by by way of a pub or a bar or something like that? Could you kind of use, utilise that space since it's attached to the football club? Who who knows? The inner workings of, I mean, Cal, um, KSDL, the stadium and, and, and that kind of side of things, it's one of them where we don't, none of us really know what the situation is. Um, the football club will always be um, the main money men in these conversations. I mean, they, they bring the, the biggest gates. They've got the most money of any, any any sports team or private company operates out of that stadium. And without Huddersfield, um, not to kind of wind up any, any, any Giants fans, but without Huddersfield paying their element, um, that stadium would, would really struggle. Certainly without the sports teams, the stadium would be a wild elephant that would, wouldn't get used, I mean, two, three times a, a year. Um, and I know Dean Hoyle and other people have lent on that. Certainly in the Premier League, I think there was something around us looking to kind of get more control um, to allow us to do more things in the stadium. And part of that was to kind of pay a bit more by way of maintenance and upkeep, and that didn't seem to work. So um, it, it, it's interesting Um it's not something you really want to be played out on Twitter between your football club owner and, and your MP, but I guess it gives us something to look at and and, and a bit of more of a conversation piece. But I feel, I feel British politics and an American billionaire businessman from California, you've got quite poor opposites there. And I think the way that we do things in what is a little bit of a stuffy culture versus America um, might kind of frustrate and, and annoy Nagel is probably just like, yeah, we'll just buy it. Why can't we do it? Um, so it'll be interesting how, what it works. Shaman versus Nagel, um, not on, on about fisticuffs like it was with Pozzer and Nagel, on about just I mean, the political battle. Will be an interesting one, both very different cultures. But if, if, um, ultimately, the club can try and benefit and re- retain a bit more of the. Um, do you know I mean what Nagel wants to do, which is on match going experience. Do you know I mean the, the catering, all those kind of things. All these kind of roll into one. Be it Kirkley's Cal or, or, or KSDL, they all kind of. Do you know I mean it's all the same hat, isn't it? Really, ultimately, um, council monies. Um, if that Huddersfield can have a bit more of a of a of a control over that, then I'm, it's it's not a bad thing. But I think we're a long way from that being the case. Tom, there's a lot of problems really with. With the, where the stadium is in in some respects, Leeds Road isn't the nicest uh, trip down, isn't it? To uh, you know, it's it's busy. It's like uh, I live in Leeds, and there's Kirkstall Road, which is busy twenty four seven. Doesn't matter when you go on there; it's just gridlock traffic. And Leeds Road feels like the same. Um, down at the stadium, I think Phil Hodgkinson's idea was to turn it into a conferencing facility, uh, so they could use the stadium uh and and try and get more footfall because generally footfall is not great down there because it's kind of tucked away Huddersfield doesn't get a lot of footfall anyway you know there are there are jobs in the town center are, are going down slightly uh, people are starting to work from home more often um so the amount of people that go into Huddersfield you, you kind of can't have different uh different sort of hubs if you like for people to go to because it's not big enough you know in in to do that or there's not enough people for it to be big enough to do that and you go down to the stadium and Kingsgate is being redone uh, so when Kingsgate re- gets redone there's going to be a new multiplex cinema in there which apparently is supposed to be really good what does that say then for the future of the yeah. cinema down at the ground do then is there going to be a problem with uh, the cinema at the stadium because people will probably start to go to the shiny new one which you know has a has the decent screens and the comfy reclinable seats etc 
So, and then if the stadium goes, then what happens to Pizza Hut and Costa next to it? Because those two probably depend on either the football and rugby or people going to the stadium. So the whole thing could fall down at, at any moment. Uh, the state, you know, and that includes the Legends Bar, which is used during the week by people coming out of the gym and you know people on a Saturday. So there's a lot there which could go wrong, and there's not a lot to get people down to the stadium other than the club shop when when the when the two teams aren't playing. And I agree with Johnny. If Huddersfield Town don't aren't in that stadium, Huddersfield Giants can't play there because they can't afford it. And I'm a Huddersfield Giants fan, so the whole thing points to sort of the failure of HD1 in many ways, which was never going to happen either because there are just there aren't that many people interested in skiing that wouldn't already go to Escape and the one at Manchester. You know, it was yeah. such a silly, stupid idea whereby they thought they could just copy what was successful. And this is what frustrates me a lot about Huddersfield in the last 20 years. It just sort of looks to copy and imitate rather than do something innovative like it used to, you know, like maybe it used to do. And there's just not enough people, not enough footfall, not enough interest in that area to make something successful. And I don't like that that's negative. But on the flip side, if you can get something there which is going to draw people in, which is different, then all of a sudden you've got footfall and people there willing to sort of hang around a bit longer than what they would, you know, for, for the football. Because let's be honest, everybody at the footballs, you know, it finishes at five o'clock and the whole place is dead by half past, you know, apart from one or two autograph hunters. You know, it needs things down. And Kevin Nagel's not daft. He's seen this already. He wants people down there earlier and he wants people leaving later because that generates money. But the problem is there's nothing really down there to keep people there or to get people to go there when there's there's no event on. And that is the sorry state that it's in. And with it being tucked off of Leeds Road as well, which isn't exactly the ideal place anyway because you've got to cut through that traffic and come off the motorway etc if you're coming from our end it's just it all points to a big a bigger problem really than a swimming pool and that's just that it's just not a place where people go so why would i don't know bannertines be interested in in that you know taking over over as a private entrepreneur david lloyd wouldn't touch it because they can't get a tennis court and stuff there you know there's 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 you know your big chains and the, the issue as well is that it's probably not in the, I don't mean this cruelly, but it's not in the most affluent area either. So you either look for a cheap gym, which doesn't have a pool, or the higher end stuff, which costs 80, 90, 100, you know, this is an area I work in, you know, 80, 90, 100 quid a month. And people from around there aren't going to pay that for a gym because it's it's a luxury that, you know, I, I wouldn't pay for. Um, so there's so much there to unpack. And the fact is, can it afford a swimming pool there if it's not owned by a football club to be used by players or or the council? And I'm not entirely sure. And with other things happening in the town centre, it's going to draw people away from there anyway. So this, the future of that area is, is going to be really interesting over the next 10 years because Halifax has found a niche, hasn't it, with the Peace yeah. Hall. So that's drawing people in with the Peace Hall, which is fantastic, by the way. Leeds is Leeds. It's it's all encompassing. It will, Leeds won't wants a massive brain drain from from the rest of the heavy woolen areas and and Bradford etc. to come into Leeds and stay in Leeds. It's, it's trying to draw more people in and out of places like Huddersfield. So it's got such a fight on its hands to be relevant and to find something to, for people to actually go and bother and and care about. It, it's difficult, isn't it? And they're in such a tough position and. The council are in a tough position. Anyone who's private's in a tough position. What can they do down there to make Huddersfield 
somewhere to go and somewhere to stay for longer so that they can open other things which will then start to generate money around it because you know in terms of leisure you know your eateries and stuff that's all going in at Kingsgate um you know Huddersfield I think Huddersfield doesn't even have a TGI Fridays does it it's one of the only places in the country that doesn't have something basic you know a basic chain like that it's 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 crazy and that's all going to go in Kingsgate and that's great for people who go to Kingsgate but for the stadium it's going to have a negative effect on you on your day-to-day stuff and I don't really know what they can do down there to pull people back because there are not enough people in Huddersfield there's not enough people going into Huddersfield so it's it's such a difficult situation I know I've painted a bit of a negative picture there uh, and the new leisure center is decent as well isn't it if you've ever been to Huddersfield Sports Center it's actually quite good um, I've been in a few times and it's it's decent so is there is it big enough is Huddersfield big enough for the two of them you know, this town ain't big enough for the two of us so there's a lot to sort of unpack in the Tom. Yeah, I think the the really sad thing is um, HD one might have been there's, there's some silly things in there like the ski slope and all that jazz, but um, but that that feels a lifetime ago when I saw the sketches for that thing the first time. Nineties, mate. Nineties. Yeah, 90s, so 90s. it's like that. That was the way forward, and I think. You, you talk about what kind of successfully works in a small town now. I, I think when I come back home, I really enjoy going to like Homeforth, Slowit, Marsden, that kind of small village feel where you could have, the way HD1 was going to work was it would have felt like a nice little community hub where people would probably come. It's not in the town centre so much, but you'd walk down there. They were going to have like, as I remember, it was like shops against the, uh, the river overlooking the river things yeah. like that paint a picture of people kayaking down the river and stuff like that it's um that's the uh, uh, shopping trolleys and cars yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's just it's just sad that like there's not even been an inkling of that has happened in all this time and i get the the, the funding and all that fell through and but it's just i think that that's that's what it needs to be it needs to be somewhere where you go in out your way and being like there's nothing kind of like that in the town centre I think the walk if, if people are getting public transport the the routes down from the train station bus station have got to be better to on a match even just on a match day they've got to be mean, better crossing do you not the, remember the idea for it things. do you not remember uh, it was the, the, ca- the, ca- the cable cars yeah cable cars down um which, but what a drawing drawing in point that would have been like <laughs> I mean that might have actually worked out a lot I know it a lot of mockery but it's different isn't it yeah. it's different where where else has sort of the only I remember going to London uh, when we were supposed to play QPR last year and uh, and sadly the Queen died but and we went to um, I can't remember where it is I think it's the not the O2 the XL Arena I think uh, to yeah. see uh, to take my little one to a Jurassic World convention thing because he was madly into dinosaurs at that point and you, we got um, the tube to one stop that I can't remember it is, but then you got a cable car over the river to uh, the Accelerina, and that was actually really cool, actually. And I, I remember sat there thinking, do you know what, actually, a lot of people mocked the idea at the time, and it's one thing going over quite a nice river and being able to see scenic London, isn't it? And then the other one sort of going over Huddersfield and the mills and the gas and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, it's slightly different with, with the locals throwing things at you, throwing rocks at you and stuff, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, it's it's different and, and that's what it needs to do. It needs to it needs to dare to be different. It needs it needs a hook. And 
the golf I forgot the the driving range is going well, that's to it, Matt. The driving that's, that's range knackered. And the hotel plans have gone as well. The hotel's not going there now. It's I don't know what they can do, mate. I, I honestly there's so don't know much what they do. space. There's so much space there for some for something to be done. Well, but it's in it is in Huddersfield, which unfortunately is seeing nothing at the moment. And I I get Sherman piping up about this, but like you scroll through his Twitter and all it is is moaning about stuff and it's a bit like, come on, show a bit of show a bit of action towards something if you if you're that passionate about your town, can we see a bit of a bit of action there rather yeah. than just a bit of moaning. No, and this is where you have to kind of take issue with Barry. I understand what he's saying. He's sort of saying, Well, if someone's gonna take the pool or the stadium, don't rip them off. That's essentially what he's saying is don't ramp yeah. the prices up and, and rip off the local public. And I get why he's saying that. But the problem at the same time is it needs private investment into Huddersfield because Huddersfield is skin, you know, as a place is skin. It's yeah. got no no real I know there are some decent businesses there, but there's not really anything massive which is drawing in jobs and drawing in people from other areas to go there and work and to do other things. So it's it's difficult. It needs really it needs something big. It needs like a big company to move in. I don't, why would they move into Huddersfield? No, that's no, the thing. Yeah. There's such a everybody's. I think this government has really pushed the the big city thing, haven't they? In the north and they're pushing Manchester and Leeds. And you look at Oldham and Rochdale after the effects they've they've had because Manchester's increased. It's killed them. It's absolutely killed them. And unfortunately, if Leeds continues to go that way, Huddersfield could suffer yeah. badly as well because no one will want to go. Everyone will want to go into Leeds and. I already live here, you know. It's I, I, I'm. If you, if you, I don't mean to use the econo- the term loosely, but it's like economic migrant. I moved in because the jobs were here and the decent jobs were here, and and there's there's a lot of opportunity and things here for for other things as well. Um, so it just it just it's in a rut, isn't it? Huddersfield's in a rut. Where does it go? And it's difficult to. I can't I can't offer any solutions, and I don't want to run the place down because I think Huddersfield's great. I think there's some. Some really fabulous places there. And you mentioned them, Tom. You mentioned Marsden, Slough and or Slaithwaite, whatever you want to call it, and all these places. But if people are going there, they're not going to the town centre, you know. And that again yeah. that brings its own own issues. I'd, I'm generally not sure what they can do to improve it. And I know people; it's got such a bad reputation as well now that you know you saw the um, the the sort of fighting and things like that, and the knives and what have you. That video that was going viral, and it's horrible to see because that again puts people off going in as well. And there's a lot of people wanting to run it down and do YouTube videos and say, look at all the pound shops and bookies and and charity shops and vape shops, etc. There's nothing here; it's rubbish. Blah blah blah. And it's it's so sad because it's got so many top class buildings in Huddersfield, so many listed buildings. It's got some of the most listed buildings in the country in, in Huddersfield Town Centre, you know, per square capita or something. And it's, it's, it is a cool place if it's treated properly and it's just run out of things to show the world, unfortunately. And it just needs, it needs a shake-up. And Kingsgate's a good start, but it, it needs more, doesn't it? It needs, yeah. it needs some form of prosperity. And, and I hate to sort of end that on a negative. I just don't see... Uh, until unless there's a private investor like a Kevin Nagel coming in and sticking, you know, sticking a flag in the ground and saying, right, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this. I'm going to bring over this, this, and this. Then it's I don't really understand why the council could stop that. I mean, everything you know about Kirklees, the ground rent's obviously going to be a lot cheaper than Leeds, you know, and or Manchester. But it's that problem, isn't it? Getting people out of the houses to go there and that is the trick and that's what you've got to get them to do and you've got to give them something to do it for and 
you know, swimming pool's not it, is it? So, no. It's anyway, that was cheery. Yeah, I know, but it, <laughs> it, this kind of thing does need to bring it up. It's probably a wider. It's bigger. It's bigger than just Huddersfield, isn't it? You've, it's you've bigger than it. us. Yeah, it's There's bigger town, than us. I mean, towns all over the country are struggling. Towns, are, in, in a, yeah, in they're just the especially with the effects of Brexit as well, and you know, because the, there was a lot of funding from the EU, and so I'm not. I don't mean to turn this into a political thing. I know it's a hot topic still after seven Takes years. Takes chance political channel. Yeah, but up. it's it's just it's just <laughs> it's just what happens, isn't it? And the towns project hasn't really helped massively. Yeah. Uh, so. It's, it's difficult and I know there's not a lot of money and there's a lot of factors outside of the UK which have affected the, the lack of money as well so it's not all the government's fault or anything there's, there's global factors at play as well so it's it's difficult it's it's difficult and I I'm not intelligent enough by any stretch to see what they can do the only thing I liked in the HD1 plans I didn't like the ski slope although it was different in that it was an outdoor one rather than an indoor one the yeah. only thing that I saw, which I liked, was there was going to be a small, uh, unique um, music venue, which I thought would have been really good for you know breakthrough acts, and you would have been able to mm. get people down, for, you know, quite often for these, for, you know, for for that because there's the O2 Academy in Leeds works brilliantly, you know, it works really well, and little music venues can be can be quite quite decent, and then you have a pub, maybe a bar next to it, and a, and then all of a sudden it branches out slowly, doesn't it? So. It just needs something, and I hope it gets something because I would love it to. I'd love the area to be successful and, and and blossoming, and I think we all would because if it does, the money comes in and then the sponsors come into the football club and everything goes up a notch. Um, it's just difficult to see where it's coming from at the minute, but hopefully, um, Kevin Nagel's got a good idea. We're pinning a lot of hope, aren't we? On uh, Yes, yeah, oh, a lot Kevin. to ask. <laughs> a lot to, yeah. lots of, save our town, Kevin. Don't only save our football club, but save yeah. our town. <laughs> Unfair, really, isn't it? To pin that on him. But yeah, there's just I know there's there's probably a lot of negativity there, but on, on the other side, it's also got a lot of potential as a place yeah. as well. So like I say, the buildings are fantastic. The you know, it's a when when you come out and there's not a lot of people around the town centre at times, but looking across at some of it, when you come out of the train station, it, it's such a wonderful square is that you know i i love it i think it's brilliant yes, you know there's yeah. not many places like that around it's it's fantastic and you know you can build on things like that and and success like that. even up the streets as well there's one or two side streets are fantastic as well some of the buildings are are really good really good uh, and it's got potential because it's got that already there uh, it's just about trying to harness it and make something different isn't it and i think we've talked about that for too long because we haven't really said anything other than it's struggling have we we just yeah. said it in about a thousand different ways. Yeah. Um, so the, yes, fill the pool with beer. Fill it, <laughs> magic rock. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Fill it with yeah. Fill it with. Um, what's your favourite magic rock? I like the Dairy Freak. That's my favourite. The. Um, I've always been the high, high wire. I've always just loved a high wire. A high wire. If Johnny yeah. says Town Lager, I can tell he's not really sampled too much. <laughs> oh, you, you, someone's got to say, haven't they? Someone's got to say it. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine that would be see that bring people down, Tom? You know, jumping in and you're tight white is Johnny, and you know, in, in there and guzzling. That would be an interesting, yeah. uh, interesting health and safety uh, yeah, discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, like I say, different things, but I think that's all we've got time for. Apart from actually, one last thing which has come up recently is that Dave Baldwin's leaving. Um, 
I don't think anyone's probably too fussed. I don't think because he was pretty much kept himself to himself uh, a lot of the ways. Um, the things I heard weren't overly positive about him at times from bits and pieces, which I won't go into. The January window, it was largely um, acknowledged in some of the circles I swimming. I shouldn't really say swimming should after the last topic, but some of the some of those circles that. You know, he was largely responsible for the January transfer window, a lot of what happened in the January transfer window, and most of that was absolute tosh. Um, but they had to do something without much prep. But so yeah, but at the end of the day, he went and did the got Kevin Nagel in, did the discussions and helped us get a new owner. So I think that's something to be thankful to Dave Baldwin for that we've we sat here and he's allowed Dean Hoyle to move on and he's done his job. Um and the job he was brought in to do, because he wasn't brought in to be the transfer guru. So he was brought in to get as a new owner and oversee that. And he's done that. So thanks to Dave Baldwin, we'll still overlook who you support as a football club. But, you know, so, you know, uh, thanks to Dave, uh, I'm sure that he's um, managed to get as new owners and he's done his bit and off he rides into the sunset um, to another job, I'm sure, where he'll he'll do well. And that's it. I don't know if you guys got any thoughts on that, but I suppose it's just no. all the best, isn't it, from us, I guess. I guess he was here for such a short period of time. I think the most we saw of Dave Baldwin was actually in the um, little YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. The YouTube series where, I mean, he, he came across perfectly fine, but there's not yeah. a lot of insight and it's probably quite choreographed. But yeah, it's um, there's probably much excitement in that than there is in the Wednesday performance. We've bookended <laughs> the podcast with two... Um, How have I still over an hour? <laughs> we've done over an hour here after the Sheffield Wednesday game. We've got no idea how we've done this. Congratulations if you got this far tonight. Yeah, oh, honestly, if you got past the Sheffield Wednesday game, you are, we appreciate you a lot for sticking with us. And if you click the like button instead of the unlike or dislike button, that would be appreciated too, because I could imagine you're hovering over both right now. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, guys. Anything to add? Any other business? No. Tom, thank you for stepping up. Good to see you crossing over to this side. I'm sure you'll come over. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other crossovers. It's in always a pleasure. Future. It's like getting an England call-up getting on the main pod. <laughs> I'll tell Brady that. And um, Johnny, thanks again. Good to see you back in back in the game now, hopefully back on the pod a bit more often. So you uh, you swanned off, didn't you, for a couple of weeks to America and had a, had a good time, didn't you, and you away with work yep. at the minute. Yeah, mini mini so. hiatus, but back, back in the saddle now. Back in the saddle. After I thought you'd been in the saddle when you went away with the missus, but never mind. So we'll <laughs> say thanks to everyone for listening, uh, and we'll be back again uh, next. Well, we won't be back until after the QPR game. Uh, so that's it for us. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? 
And then the bells will ring so merrily And every ghost shall be a memory So town play up And bring that car back to Huddersfield So town play up Back to The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.